Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco. This is episode 39. And as we begin, I just want to ask you, for those of you who have experienced it, was postpartum anything like you thought it would be? In fact, did you even spend much time considering it before your first birth? I'll be the first to admit that before my first child, I thought pretty much nothing of postpartum. I didn't pay attention to it. I considered breastfeeding and thought that, you know, that might be something that was a challenge, but I thought of nothing else, nothing else of the transition and nothing of how that would affect my life. Um, So that is what I'm going to be talking about today with our guest, Chelsea Skaggs. Now, Chelsea is really neat in the fact that she had a home birth with her first child and planned to have a home birth again with her second, but some... um, some issues with her daughter that they found on ultrasound at the anatomy scan made that uh, not a great option. So we'll talk through all of that, discuss her postpartum experiences with both her first and second child, and discuss postpartum together, which is something that Chelsea has created, and it's an amazing movement that she's really growing. So before we jump into the interview, I do want to go through my little thank yous really quickly. Now, we don't have a reviewer of the week this week, so uh, if you guys want to win one of these fancy schmancy happy home birth stickers, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. They make my life. I seriously love all of the things that you guys come up with and talk about. So if you want a sticker, please go head over there and do that. Um, Also, if you will either take a screenshot or a selfie or a picture of where you are when you're listening to this episode, I would just love to see you know, what you're doing. Are you, do you have a big pile of dishes in front of you? That's oftentimes what I'm doing when I'm listening to podcasts. So, uh, post that up on your Instagram story and I will, and tag happy home birth podcast. And I will, uh, put you in my story as well. And I do want to thank our sponsor for this week, who is Carrie LaChapelle. She is the Hatch Home Midwife. She's a licensed midwife of 12 years, offering home birth services in the upstate of South Carolina. Carrie provides evidence-based prenatal care, mama-baby family-centered home birth care, including water birth, and mama-baby postpartum care from birth to six weeks and beyond. Carrie offers amazing extras like belly binding, and she carries a wide variety of wish garden tinctures in her office. She offers a free consultation to see if she's a good fit, so please visit her at her website, hatchedathome.com, or on Facebook at Hatched Midwife Carrie LaChapelle, or get in touch with her personally at 864-907-6363. There is some amazing stuff going on right now, guys. Uh, I don't know if you have seen, I am working on a childbirth education course and I am looking for input from those things. You might've noticed on my Instagram stories that I've been asking a lot of questions. If you are a home birth mama and you would like to take part in some of the surveys that I am sending out in relation to making this education course the best thing ever for home birth moms, please just email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com and let me know you'd like to be added to the list. Same for midwives. I am, I've got a good number of midwives that are on the list now. If you would like to be involved and kind of check out my surveys and see what's going on, I would love the input. I am hoping to get this all put together, hopefully by the end of the year. So watch out for that. Join my newsletter, email weekly typically, um, to see what is going on with that and to see how you can be more involved. And uh, you can just do that by heading over to my website, myhappyhomebirth.com, and uh, a little form should pop up. And it's also on the About Me page as well, or About page. This isn't my space. Anyway, uh, I believe that is all that we have for before the episode. So please remember that the opinions of my guests might not necessarily reflect mine and vice versa. Also, neither one of us are our medical um, providers. So make sure that you see your doctor or if you're like me, your chiropractor. 
Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Yeah, Caitlin, thank you for welcoming me. I am so excited to hear all of the stories that you have. So if you wouldn't mind, would you just start by um, introducing yourself to the listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, My name is Chelsea Skaggs, and I am a mother of two. Um, My first is a, a boy who is almost three, you know, going on like 15 right now with his attitude. <laughs> have one like and, that. Uh-huh. And then I am also the mother of uh, a six-month-old. Um, she is our little miracle heart baby. So she just came through open heart surgery a month ago. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, it's totally shifted our perspective and values, but rooted us in a lot of good things as a family. Um, so that has been one of my main focuses, but I am, I'm also an ex teacher who decided to uh, do some more work on the side at home with my kids here. So I get up early in the morning and I teach um, ESL in China. And then during nap time, um, I develop postpartum resources and a coaching program. Wow. I am so excited to delve into (laughs) all of this. Like I'm so excited. So Well, why don't we just start from the very beginning? I know that your first birth was a home birth. So I'd love to hear how you came about having a home birth. What what brought you to that decision? Yeah, well, you know, I think like a lot of people, probably most of us women, you you grow up thinking, okay, you know, I get pregnant, I go see my doctor, I start having contractions, my water breaks in a dramatic way, and then I run to the hospital, you know, and that's a picture I had in my head forever, which... Um, I would never, I I say you can never do things the wrong way, but there are so many things that we maybe don't have access to the information about. And so for years, I had no idea (laughs) that home birth existed. Um, You know, it seems like a thing of the past, but I was fortunate um, when I was newly married that we had a couple of friends who were a few years older um, and having kids a little bit before us. And one of those friends in particular, a dear friend of mine, um, was having her second home birth when I was pretty close um, in relationship with her. And so I actually got to like meet the midwife she was working with. And um, instead of a baby shower, she had a blessing way and just talked mm. about like all of these different aspects of an empowering birth. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what is this message of an empowering birth? Because to me, I thought, I would go, I, it would happen to me. Um, and so I started to really explore it. I, I met some other moms who are home birth moms. And when I became pregnant, um, my husband and I were actually hours away, um, in another state in Arkansas. We live in Ohio now, but we were away from family, um, away from really, there were no home home birth midwives that I could find via Google search and our network wasn't that great there. So we moved back home, um, to be closer to our family. And I got to actually use the midwives that, uh, my friend had delivered with. And I just knew when I became pregnant that I wanted to start our family in that way that was intimate and in our home. Um, I wanted to feel empowered and like I was supported, uh, throughout my decisions. Um, my husband might say that I am a little bit bullheaded, but (laughs) (laughs) he might say that, but I would say that I like to feel empowered, um, in the things that I'm doing. And I want to play the most active role in, in the things that are going on, um, in my personal life. And so a home birth really opened the doors to, feeling like I could lead the way, but be, be supported, um, be encouraged, be inspired through the process, uh, and not necessarily feel like I was following someone else's lead, uh, through the hospital process. Ooh, I love that. That's so cool. And I love that the way that you found out about home birth was through a friend who, who shared with you and let you be involved in her experience. How amazing is that? I still, I do reach out to her. She lives not far from us now, but I'm always like, man, it's because of you. Like just knowing about home birth really did change so many aspects of my life. Um, you know, and I won't go on a rabbit trail here, but I think that it really connects to 
a, a lot of different aspects of our lives as far as educating ourselves on different options and knowing how to be our own best advocate, mm, um, yes. not just in birth, but beyond. And that was a huge, huge milestone for me. I think that's a great point. I certainly would agree with you that, that my home birth changed everything for me too. And, and kind of made me realize that I, I am driving the bus. Like I can take control of these things and I'm the one making the decisions. So yeah, that makes total sense to me. Love it. Awesome. Well, okay. So you decided to use those midwives that your friend had used, correct? Mm, Yes, we did. Awesome. What was that experience like? Well, I, (laughs) I think one of my first memories was showing up for an appointment at a house and it was at my midwife's house in, you know, they had turned a, one of the bedrooms into um, a meeting, you know, consultation and care space. And I came in and it was, um, it wasn't a sterile environment. It was very homey. Um, the appointment before us was running over. So we were sitting on the couch, like with a family member to our midwife, <laughs> just chatting it up. And then we come in and, you know, we're, we're drinking tea together where there's a book selection. Um, everything just felt like, man, I'm doing this along with friends, honestly, um, and so just that first appointment, I was like this, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in this because it is communal. It is, uh, again, it's, it's empowering. Like, I feel like people are, are asking me questions about my body and my progress and the changes and my desires. And it just felt like a conversation and not, um, I don't know, not like a lecture, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. Did you, so with that midwife, did she ask you to do any like childbirth education courses or recommend a doula or anything like that or, or no? Yeah. So there, um, there were two midwives that were working together, Mm -hmm. which was really nice throughout the whole process. Um, they were both at my birth. And so one, you know, they would kind of switch who took the lead and who was in kind of like a doula supportive role and who was in the more of the medical lead role. Um, so I knew that that would be available to us and they did give us a lot of different options for, um, you know, ways to prepare. They let us know about local in-person, um, classes and we looked at, um, hypnobirthing. We looked at a couple of different things. My husband and I actually, um, in the months leading right up to our son's birth, we were in a different state for a job training. Oh um, man. <laughs> we had to be there for, um, two months, although I did advocate and we left two weeks early because I did not want to be, um, hours away from home in that window of possible, you know, healthy delivery time. Right. But so we actually opted to go through the, um, Bradley method, book and workbook together. And I became, um, a complete lover of Ina May's work and just absorbed women's birth stories. And I think that was just a great way to see how other women experienced it. How did they cope with pain? You know, some women's birth stories said it, I didn't experience pain. Someone's women talk about roaring like a lion, like just to see the array of experiences through stories was probably one of the best things that I did. Um, and then the Bradley method was very good for us as a a team in birthing. Oh, I love that. Yes. And I completely agree about the stories. That was really, that's why I loved Ina Mae's book so much was because it's like half of it is just stories of, you know, like what it could be like. I, Oh, there is something so critical about just hearing how, how, vast the spectrum is of normal. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Awesome. Well, good. Okay. So you were out of town and then mm-hmm. you came back in town right in, right at your birthing window. Yeah. It was probably like mid 38 ish weeks that, that I was like, okay, we're piecing out of this training yeah. because <laughs> we've worked, you know, I feel like we worked hard to advocate for having a home birth. It was unheard of to my family and a large amount of my friends. Um, and so, you know, we'd spent a lot of time educating and sharing and, um, you know, some of my family met our midwives and things like that. And so 
it was good to say, nope, we're going to be home. Like we're going to really savor these last couple of weeks or days or hours or, you know, cause you never know what it's going to be. Um, but we definitely made sure we were home for that time. Well, nice. And that, that brings up a great question. So you were open with your family about what your choices were going to be regarding home birth. Yes. And so yeah. you were able to use that kind of as an educational tool where people generally supportive of your decision or were they more like, eh, is that a good uh, idea? Both. I think probably everyone, um, aside from my friends who had been through the home birth and were kind of in that same circle, everyone started with the, eh, are you sure? <laughs> like, right. uh, you know, you can't get meds, you know, uh, just, just, there were so many, so many things. Um, but I think, it was an awesome opportunity to say, hey, I have nothing against a hospital or a traditional birth. But for me, I knew that there was another option and I really felt like it was going to be the right one for me. Um, and I talked to my family a lot about just anxiety has always been a thing for me. And I knew that being in a room with fluorescent lights and people coming in and out and feeling just exposed in a public area. Like I just knew that I would have a lot of anxiety issues with my first birth being that way. And I wanted that comfort of the lighting. I wanted the sense I wanted the, the people around that I wanted. So I think that was an approach that was able to be heard, um, from my family and my friends. Um, although, you know, there were still a couple who up to the day we birthed weren't really in support of what we had chosen. And that's okay too. Right. Yeah. To each his own with the yeah. opinions. Well, that's really neat. And your husband was, was on board from the very beginning. Yes, he was. I love that. Yeah. That makes things so much easier. It I'm does. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We've already yeah. decided. Yes. <laughs> well, tell me how that birth went. Yeah. It, it started around 9am. It was a Saturday. And my mom and I had been walking this large hill um, every morning that we could for the last week or so. And I think I was, you know, approximately 40 days in, or 40 weeks in two days um, at this point. But my midwives were like, hmm, those are still just numbers. And right. so we didn't cling to them very much. But that's, that's what point we were if you were to put a number on it. Um, and that morning we went for a walk and I started to have to stop often and was like, hmm, maybe I should start to track this, you know, track these contractions and the distance between them, um, the time frames. And so we did. We started to track and that was around 9 a.m. I called my midwives at noon and they were like, Chelsea, uh, you know, we think you still have some time to go. But also, like, we know that this is your first birth, that things can happen. So, like, you tell us when you are ready for us to be at your house. So I really did appreciate that. Um, they ended up coming around 9 p.m. Um, and at that point, I was laboring more intensely. Um, I just remember I would get a contraction and we were in... Uh, on, on the bed, my husband and I were in the room and I would get a contraction, go through it. And then I would just like fall over on the bed and sleep for probably like two minutes. <laughs> and I, I was out for two minutes and then a contraction would start again. <laughs> so that was just a long period of the night, but, um, they got there around 9 PM and by 3 AM, um, we set up our, I did do a water birth. So we started to fill the pool Well, the pool had been filled. We made sure it was warm and I was able to get into the pool around 3 AM. Um, and I ended up having my son at seven. So it was almost 24 hours of labor, um, a little bit less, but it didn't get intense until that evening, probably around nine or 10 in the evening. And then I definitely knew when that transition period came <laughs> and, and I was, luckily I was in the, in the pool, um, which I absolutely loved, but he, he ended up coming at six thirty-seven um, the next morning. Okay. Yeah. So, so all in all your active labor time was how long do you think? I would say it was from about nine or 10 PM till 
6 a.m. Okay. So about gotcha. eight to nine hours. And how long were you in the the water? Did you just stay in once you got in or were you in and out? I did. Yeah, I got in around 3 a.m. And I remember them saying, hey, do you want to get out for a little bit? And I was like, no, I can't. Like, I cannot That's no. And the warm water was the only thing that was just giving me life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it can be such a relief. Yes. Oh, that's so neat. So, okay. When you started pushing though, what was that like? Yeah. So I remember starting that and I was on, I was on my knees with my arms and my head forward, um, on the birthing pool. And what I appreciated was that through Bradley method and through our, um, disappointments leading up to birth, there was a lot of emphasis on, you know, your body is working to get this baby out. Like the intense grunting pushes that we see sometimes isn't necessarily, I mean, that might happen naturally. Um, but I think we can overforce things mm -hmm. sometimes. And this is an example of that. So I definitely at first was just like, I want this over. Like I'm going to just force this baby out. And so mm -hmm. I was really trying to put that energy into pushing. Um, thankfully, you know, my midwives were like, I know this feels counterintuitive, but I want you to slow down, like pull back on this pushing and just focus on opening, you know, focus on making the way and opening so that, you know, the baby can come out, um, which I think allowed me, I pushed for about an hour or I was in that period for about an hour. Um, and I think them helping me to kind of visualize in a different way and shift my focus really helped stamina and ease. Um, and I was fortunate that I didn't really deal with tearing afterwards. And I think one of those things was just stepping back and, and choosing the path of ease more yes. than forcing. I love that. I love that your midwives were also, you know, there to kind of tell you instead of, you know, it seems like in the hospital setting a lot of times it can be like, okay, push as hard as you can for yeah. this amount of time. But in your situation, your midwives are like, Hey, cool it. <laughs> you're, you're good. Yes. Take your time. Yes. Yes. That's really neat. So what was your experience immediately postpartum with your oh, first? Man. It's seriously thinking about probably that first day or so is one of the warmest like memories that I have. Oh. Um, and my husband was just saying like, that's one of the only times I've just cried joy. He said, oh. that's the only time I can remember just bursting out crying joy. And again, we, we just had a daughter six months ago. He said, you know, I just didn't not that I wasn't so happy about her birth also, but there was something about the intimacy of being at home, like moving to the couch, to the bed in that warm atmosphere where we were only surrounded by people that we had chosen to be there and just felt so intimate. It was such a rush of joy. Um, you know, he's, he, he came out, we lifted him from the water. He was an immediate, like get, me that milk. Uh, <laughs> it was he not was playing pro. around. <laughs> and then, um, you know, we were able to spend the next couple of days really in, in our bedroom and having that time to not be rushed around, to not have an agenda or people coming in and out all of the time, like that intimacy was invaluable. And I can't think of a better way to really like launch into being parents together, um, and set some, some foundation for a family. Yes. Oh, that sounds so good. And I think that you bring up such a good point about how, you know, comparing your first birth with your second birth and the intimacy of being at home in your own space and a place that you are used to and lighting that you prefer that mm -hmm. just nurtures that natural release of oxytocin so well compared to, you know, having to be somewhere else and with fluorescent lights and this mm -hmm. and that, but yeah, that, that can make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you had a beautiful, beautiful first home birth experience. It sounds like. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was dreamy. <laughs> so what was, 
what was motherhood like after that? Did you begin, I know that you're a postpartum coach. Did that start then, or did you do that after? (laughs) Well, no. Um, so after I was actually, um, doing some sales and marketing stuff, um, and specifically in, in fitness and wellness, which had a lot of positive points, but in my postpartum experience, um, I put a ton of pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. I had this ideal image of what I needed to be um, as a mom, as a work from home mom, as someone who is a super nurturing mom, but then also has her own like side hustle. Like it just, I had all this pressure um, on myself and then on my body too. And that really took over um, and it, it did lead to some pathways of a lot of anxiety I actually just had the opportunity to be a part of an initiative yesterday talking about um, maternal mental health, and I feel like, again, I I had myself in this place with these high expectations, low, you know, knowledge of what I was doing, and I felt like I needed to really be able to prove that I could do it all myself, and Mm -hmm. so I was... I was that mom that put on a happy face. I had a good social media presence and profile. It looked like, wow, you know, she was just born to be a mom and look how much fun they're having all the time. And they're (laughs) so happy. And I honestly, so many times felt alone. Um, and, and I dealt with some postpartum anxiety and also some postpartum rage, which I had not even heard a term for until probably, a couple of months ago, maybe a little longer, but just we're hormonal beings and we're going through breastfeeding and these, or, you know, these changes and hormones and all of this stuff. And I, I fell into that trap of how do I make it look like I have it all together and I'm keeping my head above water and I'm smiling about it. But I was so scared to reach out for help. I was so scared to say that I felt lonely, that I felt confused. Um, and so that first postpartum, I had a great bond with my son. And I think, like, I do think that our home birth had a huge impact on that. Um, great bond with my son. But I struggled a lot with my identity, my relationships, um, just my body image, all of these things. And so in my second postpartum, when I knew it was coming, (laughs) I said, I am going to do things differently. Mm -hmm. And I had had an awakening or been on this journey to more authenticity, vulnerability, um, when it comes to things like social media and just the stories we tell each other, the stories we tell ourselves. And I just felt like, you know what, this is a chance to normalize the mess And I started to study and research and uh, put out surveys to women about their experiences. And I found that the majority of moms indicated feeling lonely, feeling like they were the only ones who were struggling, feeling like there were so many avenues to compare themselves and feel like they weren't doing well enough. Um, So I transitioned to my own business, which is the postpartum coaching. Um, it's called Postpartum Together, and it's the, a mission for a woman to not feel alone in her postpartum journey, specifically in the areas um, that we can often open up social media and compare ourselves. So I coined the five pillars um, of postpartum, and these are the five areas we focus on um, your physical, mental, emotional, relational, and personal identity. And just taking time to work through that with women, give them prompts to think about, give them um, some some things to do with their family, for themselves, and give them a space to do that along with other women. Um, my Just my goal is that a woman doesn't feel alone, and I think that when a mother feels nurtured and empowered and cared for, it has a huge domino effect um, on our families, on our kids, on her friends, on her workplace, on her community. Like I dream of this society here in America where there's a shift because women are supported and empowered in their postpartum period and they're able to thrive better. Yes. Ooh, yes. And I love that you 
I mean, it just, it feels so relatable to me because with my first birth, you know, I had a home birth and felt like I was so set up for success mm-hmm. and I was, mm-hmm. but I did not take the postpartum period seriously enough. I really yeah. didn't. And I struggled with postpartum anxiety. And when you say postpartum rage, I'm like, Oh, yep. Know exactly what that is. Like, yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. Um, and and now, you know, coming at it again for this second time, I have been so much more cognizant. I mean, this morning before starting interviews, I'm already, you know, I'm making freezer meals. This is mm. we're recording this before I'm having my baby. This will <laughs> air later, but <laughs> but like, you know, I just I feel like that planning and asking for help. I've already told my mom, I've told my mother-in-law, Hey, like I need you. I need you to come. And when you come to my house, please load and unload my dishwasher, like do the things that I am so embarrassed to ask you to do, because I know this is so important for my family, not just in these first two to six weeks, but for the months and months Mm -hmm. after where if I can just like, you know, if I can just work with myself and my baby for these first few weeks, those months are going to be easier, mm-hmm. you know? So, yes. Oh, I love your message. I'm so excited that you are so passionate about this and you're sharing that. Okay. So it sounds like your postpartum experience with your second was, was really, you know, you were, you were really more considerate about what you were going to be doing. And it sounds like you definitely needed that in relation to that pregnancy birth experience and postpartum. So could you tell us what's been going on with, or how your, how your second pregnancy unfolded? Yeah, um, definitely. So we found out we were pregnant with our second. We actually met with our midwives again to start care. Um, and then we were undecided about finding out the gender And this is a little plug for saying that a 20-week scan is not just about gender. I'm super passionate about them. You'll hear why in a couple couple minutes. But um, we decided to go in and get an anatomy scan. And at that scan, um, again, we kind of looked at it as a gender reveal. And at that scan, they identified an issue with our daughter's heart. And the doctor walked in after our ultrasound Um, and I, he said words that I had no idea what they meant. Um, he named her diagnosis, which is tetralogy of the low. Um, he said congenital heart defect, which again, I just, I didn't, I didn't know. And I didn't expect to find something out, um, at this scan other than it's a boy or it's a girl. Um, so I do always plug to my friends to, take that seriously and, and know what kind of questions to ask when they're doing your anatomy scan. Um, because I, early identification can make a lot of difference for our kiddos. Um, but after that, after we confirmed her diagnosis, I called my midwife who actually the midwife that I used, she had been an RN on a labor and delivery unit prior to taking on midwifery herself. So she, she knew of this diagnosis, she knew what was going on and she was like, listen, you know, we would love to do your birth again, but we, we can't, (laughs) you know, this Mm -hmm. is the kind of situation where it is medically necessary to be in a hospital. Um, and gosh, did that open my eyes to a lot of things too, because I think in my first, I made choices based on everything I knew and what I thought was best, but I was so committed to those things being the way I chose the best way to birth or the best way to feed or the best way to sleep. What I found was that now I had these circumstances that were completely out of my control and I had to find a way to approach them differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew we were going to be at a hospital. Um, luckily we do have a good, um, hospital based midwife collective here in Columbus. And so they are still, they still had kind of the same, same mindset and approach. Um, but we did deliver in the hospital. What I had learned, I think from my home birth, well, so many things, but again, it returns to, I knew how to advocate for myself, I knew what was medically necessary and what wasn't. I knew to research something, a procedure or a test before it happened so that I knew if I wanted to make that choice or not. Um, So I think that even in the hospital, you have this opportunity to 
educate yourself on things that might just be told to you that are standard or normal, but it's still your body, your baby, your experience. And so I felt a lot better um, knowing how to ask questions and do my own research and talk with my providers to make decisions that felt right for me and my body and my baby. Um, so again, we did, we did end up birthing at the hospital. Um, I went in, I was so afraid to go in and, and get sent home. I went in, they checked me and she kind of gave me this option. She's like, listen, I know you don't want to spend more time at the hospital than you have to. <laughs> so they knew me, <laughs> uh, but she gave me the choice and, uh, my husband and I walked back out to the parking lot. We left the parking garage and got probably four blocks away before it hit me. Like, no, this is happening uh -oh. now. <laughs> So the first time I like strolled into the hospital, like I might be having contractions. The second time I feel like I was like crawling across the floor. Like, get me there. Uh, oh, what 30 minutes can do. Uh, oh my gosh. Yes. And so she, I was in labor for less than, less than four hours that like active labor. Um, she came out very quickly. I thought that I was just still in my uh, earlier contractions, and I guess I was in transition because <laughs> here she came. <laughs> like, oh my she, I didn't even have the chance to push because she it just happened. Um, she was smaller. You know, my body was different, and, and again, every pregnancy is so different. Um, but there's there was a period after that, and this is – our story very specifically, we knew that our daughter had a medical complexity. Um, we had actually been told that her heart should not land us in the NICU um, because it should be strong enough to sustain just like outpatient visits and for her to be in the room with me afterwards. However, um, one of the doctors that was there did not agree with that and took my baby pretty quickly. Oh. I, I... I think I held her for like probably three to five minutes before they took her. And it was devastating. Um, and I think just the whole process was devastating because then I was left there. Um, I actually had an issue with my placenta and they had to go in and retrieve it. And it was, that was not a great experience. Um, but they had then taken my baby. I was trying to tell this doctor, like, no, we've already worked on this. And can you show me, like, is there something wrong that I should know about? Um, but she did. She took her off to the NICU, which ended up being a good thing for a couple of other unrelated issues. Um, she was actually, we didn't know this, but she was born also with a cleft palate. So she was not able to breastfeed, um, not able to take a traditional bottle. We were trying so hard for the first couple of days to figure out her feeding issues, um, but I think just that dichotomy of with my home birth, we, we left the birthing pool and we moved to the bedroom and we were there for days. And then after my hospital birth, my baby was taken away, which she ended up needing to be there. So I do, I am thankful mm -hmm. for that. But the, the nature of it was so like standard, like, okay, you birthed your baby. Now we're taking her. Now we're taking you here. Like there could have been a lot more unification and, right. uh, mindfulness of the experience. Um, but then, you know, it, it didn't give a lot of chance to have a slower period because I was walking or wheeling down to the NICU as soon as I got cleaned up from my birth. Right. Um, and so I, I think that, though, helped me to be intentional about my emotional, my mental healing and self-care and um, not expecting myself to just bounce back in every single way. I didn't expect my body to bounce back. I didn't expect my workload to bounce back, my emotional capacity, my mental load, my relationships. Like, I realized that this is a process and it's a transition and I think just uh, knowing that that the birth was not going to be my perfect ideal experience uh, allowed me to say, I am going to care for myself in postpartum. Like I am going to give myself grace. I am going to share my story 
One, so that another woman can hear it and say, I'm not alone. Two, because another woman could say to me, hey, me too. Like, I understand this. Um, And so much community has been birthed out of that, which I really appreciate. Um, I think that the value of stories, which, you know, is what you're doing here on this podcast, is something that you can't, you can't even measure. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. And I think that you also bring up a good point about how, you know, because this was a very clearly visual, you know that things are going on around you that are not what your preference would be. It did kind of force you to say, okay, I've got to take this postpartum Mm -hmm. seriously. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, sometimes I think, oh, could I have gone back to my first time mother self Mm -hmm. and told her that, but you know, sometimes experience is, is what gives us this insight. Um, oh, it's the best teacher, unfortunately. It definitely, <laughs> definitely is. But then I also think, you know, things like this podcast and having a coaching program, the, the more we can talk and speak our truths, the more that a new mom or another woman can say, okay, like here are some areas I would never have thought about. And now yeah. I can, and now I can be more proactive for myself. Yes. Oh, I completely agree with that. I did have a question about your pregnancy. So were you, with your daughter's diagnosis, were you considered high risk? Did you have to do more things than you normally would have? So I don't know that I was considered high risk, but, um, but we did have to, we worked with maternal fetal medicine. So we had more ultrasounds, more visits. They were um, monitoring her heart basically throughout our pregnancy. Gotcha. Um, other than that though, you know, I, I still, it still felt pretty in my control beyond the extra monitoring of her heart. Um, we did have to make a decision about how extensive of testing we wanted to go just because it was uh, a genetic issue. Okay. Gotcha. And then once she was born, you said that you guys didn't have to, the the heart issue itself wasn't something that was concerning at the very, very beginning. Like you were able to postpone. She had her open heart surgery a, a month ago, you said? Yeah. At five months old. Okay. So what was, what was that like as a postpartum mom and having your child go through that? Well, it was, it was definitely a whole nother emotional roller coaster. Um, I think, you know, I just have so much love for all moms, but, um, specifically moms who know this like medical side to the amount of anxiety that it brings. Um, Mm. every new mom is like, I can't sleep. I need to check my baby. Like, is, you know, is she still breathing or, you always have these thoughts that I think having a medical issue accentuates those. Absolutely. Um, so, but for me and her, I think, again, I, I can't say this enough. A lot of it came down to educating myself and advocating. Um, every appointment with her cardiologist leading up, I had a notebook and mm-hmm. I was asking questions. If he said a medical term that I didn't know, which happens all the time. You know, I said, okay, step back. I need you to put this in a way I can understand. Oh, good. Um, I, you know, if a decision was made, I said, how, like, where does, how do I weigh into this decision? Like, how do we make this together? Um, and I think sometimes as women, we're afraid of being overbearing or annoying or, you know, or maybe we just don't want to sound dumb because we don't know everything, but I am not a cardiologist. I am not a medical professional, but this is my daughter. And so every chance I had to say, break this down for me, help me be a part of this decision, um, really put it in a way that I felt comfortable and confident when we entered, um, that surgery day. Okay. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And, and it sounds like, you know, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, even though plenty of moms do this who haven't had a home birth before, but your ability to, to make decisions is so strong. And I love hearing that empowerment in every decision that you are making during this, you know, situation. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think there's just a shift that we have at some point in our lives from different experiences from this is 
life happening to me to this is how I'm, you know, stepping forward and, and being the best advocate for myself and my kids. I love that. And how is she doing now a month after? Oh, she's good. She really, really is good. Um, heart defects have a huge range of severity and ours is kind of in the middle. Um, but her prognosis is great. Her repair surgery went well. Um, we spent another week in the hospital after that, but she came home and she gets, uh, you know, her brother is all over her and oh. she's a tough little cookie because <laughs> she has a two and a half year old brother. And she has to be. She has to be, um, but she's joyful and she's growing and we're so thankful for that. Oh, I just love that. I'm so happy to hear that. And, and while we're, you know, on the postpartum subject, I would love for you to talk, uh, you've already mentioned a good bit about what you do with your postpartum groups, but is there anything else that you would like to touch on? Yes. So right now it's just group coaching. So a, a group of six to 10 women together for um, a period of about five months. And I chose that because I think, you know, a lot of women, if they're going back to work, it's going to be around three months. Um, sometimes we define postpartum as six weeks. Sometimes we define it as three months. And I don't think either of those even hit what we need to be doing as far as comprehensive care for women. Mm -hmm. Um, and so five months gives that leeway to say, okay, we're, we're coming out of this like complete newborn phase. Now we're coming through this, like learning how to parent with our partner. Now we're coming to, what does it look like to integrate back to work if that's your decision? Um, what does it look like to be in tune with your your body and where your emotions are? And so it's in a private online group and women get different um, resources throughout the week. So we'll have a theme for that week of kind of what we're working through. It's a place for them to share and process, but also to have, it, it, there is a curriculum. There are things that I think um, we can overlook. And so I have taken not just my own experience. I have um, research from over 500 moms now. There, Yeah, it's, it's incredible to read through just their perceptions of pregnancy and postpartum and have compiled that to say, how do we prepare women for this and empower them to have a postpartum that they don't feel alone, that they don't feel like they're failing, but they can actually like rise above and thrive through. Whoa, that is so cool. I love everything about that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Chelsea, would you mind uh, just letting my listeners know where they can go to find you through social media and how they can yes. be involved in your program? Should they be interested? Yes. Um, so my website is Strive Less, S-T-R-I-V-E-L-E-S-S, Live More livemore.com. So strive less, live more.com. Um, my blog is hosted there. There's also a page for, um, contact and collaboration, which is where we would talk about the program. Um, I also do a lot of my work over on Instagram, which is Chelsea B C H E L S B dot skags S K A G G S. And, uh, sometimes you'll see the kids in there and just some family things, but most of my messaging is focused around normalizing um, postpartum, empowering women, uh, bringing recognition to things that uh, just a lot of women via surveys and, and messages have said I felt alone in. And so bringing some things to light so that we can all unite together. Oh my goodness. I am so grateful for you coming on and sharing your message because it is so necessary for moms to get this. And I love that that you're willing to, to kind of be the one saying, Hey, look, this is the stuff that I dealt with. Yeah. Let's talk about it together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be uncomfortable sometimes, but more mm -hmm. so than not, it is just uh, rewarding to make build bridges and, and make those connections with women. Oh gosh. And so worth it. I, yes. I'm so grateful, Chelsea. Yes. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Chelsea. Yeah. Caitlin, thank you for welcoming me and for just bringing light to what home birth can be for women. Wow, wow, wow. What an amazing story and an awesome movement. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did 
oh, going back and listening to it after we recorded it a few months ago, um, woo, it just reminded me of how important that postpartum phase is. So let's jump into the episode roundup really quickly. Um, truthfully, I, I really just want to focus on the postpartum aspect. You know, um, one of the things that Chelsea mentioned was postpartum rage, and I had never heard that term before. And as soon as she said it, it was like, oh, yep. I know exactly what that is. You know, when your emotions just get so built up and intense and there is, it seems like there is just no outlet for them. So I definitely wanted to shine a spotlight on that and also the postpartum anxiety aspect of things. You know, I feel like postpartum depression gets, you know, a lot of attention at this point. Thank goodness, because our rates of it are just terrible. Um, But postpartum anxiety is even more common than postpartum depression and and not a lot of people are talking about it. So I'm really grateful for Chelsea, um, for her, you know, really, really showing everybody, hey, this is the kind of stuff that's going on and really building a community around the postpartum experience and what is to be expected. So thank you so much, Chelsea, for all that you were doing. Guys, don't forget to keep up with her. You can head over to her website, like she mentioned, strivelesslivemore.com, or check her out on Instagram. Her posts are either, sometimes they're super raw, sometimes they're really funny and cute. Uh, She's a great person to be following. So that is chelsb.skags, S-K-A-G-G-S. Um, So that's all that I have for you guys. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to head over to patreon.com slash happyhomebirth and become a patron. You get a lot of cool stuff by doing that, and it really helps support the show. So I am so grateful for you all. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I'll see you back here next week.